installment of the yummy coco show this is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches music interviews and games i'm your host yummy coco aka colette prosper i wasn't uh around last week i fucked up my foot my computer was uh screwed up um and uh so i ended up having just to take a week off how are you how's it going we talk about everything on the show from pink sauce to uh, Choco Tacos, uh, but today we have Chandra Thomas on the show. She's a wonderful writer, uh, wonderful uh, voice on Twitter, and we're going to be talking about her wonderful, vo- her wonderful voice and her wonderful Twitter, uh, among other things. And how are you? It's been rough. It's been hot. It's been uh you know uh eventful i don't know it's like in that that scene in uh in uh 10 things i hate about you when gabrielle union asked her friend you know can you be overwhelmed or can you just be whelmed so maybe it's kind of like a whelmed moment like i i do feel overwhelmed for sure but then i kind of feel whelmed like i don't feel underwhelmed I don't I don't totally feel overwhelmed. I just feel whelmed. So how are you? Anyway, uh, again, Chandra Thomas. Amazing. Incredible. Next week, uh, I have Rebecca Usuro. So we're back. And also on August 5th, check out Christina Igaravides. Uh, she's going to be performing with the people uh, over at Spanish Aki Podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, downtown at 8 o'clock in L.A. Um, just I'm going to have it in the show notes. Check that out. She's incredible. Uh, Christina is uh, gracing us with her presence in this week's sketch, uh, which is a uh, J-Lo Benefer sketch, which I'm thinking should be called Benefer's Choco Taco. Uh, if you have any other title suggestions, D- DM me at Yummy Coco. That's Y U M M I C O C O on Instagram. And if you like the show, please give it five stars. It's how people can find the show. So let's just do it. Let's just kick things off with a sketch Benefer's Choco Taco. <laughs> Benny, wait! I don't like that we're leaving Paris so soon. Jenny, come on, get in the jet. We're going to DC. This is a matter of great importance. But what could be more important than our highly publicized honeymoon? Choco tacos. Honey, I told you, they really don't like being called that. No, I'm talking about the ice cream treat. Oh my god. It's been canceled and I need to take this issue to Biden right now. Whoa, Benny, stop! It's just a chocolate-covered waffle cone shaped like a hard-shell taco. 
Let it go. Let it go. It's got me through dark times like Nannygate, Dunkin' Donuts gate, my 10-year-old backing a Lamborghini into a BMW gate, and no offense, Geely. Oh my Jiggly, god. Geely, however the fuck you say it. Who cares? It was a dumbass movie anyway. So why are we going to DC? I didn't just exchange vows with you in a drive through chapel so you could make split decisions for us. But don't you see why I had to make you my wife? Uh, no, I don't. After a 20-year separation? No, I don't. Now I have no idea why I married you. I can't believe the man I married is obsessed with Choco Tacos! Ugh. Well, believe that. They're fucking delicious. But that still doesn't explain why you want to talk to Biden. You see, America needs a president who can put our ice cream needs first. Uh, no they don't. Yes, they do. And Biden's inadequate response to the Choco Taco cancellation has been stunning. Ugh, I think I'm gonna be sick. I know, me too. This never would have happened under Trump. Oh my god. I can't do this, Benny. It's too late. We're already married. And together, we're going to make ice cream great again. You know, this is a Jordan Peele size nope. This is so not my brand. And now, I have no idea why I married you. I can't do this, Benny. Will Mrs. Jennifer Affleck change her brand to suit her new Choco Taco loving Ugh, husband? I think I'm going to be sick. Or will Jenny from the block drop that zero and be her own hero? Stay tuned next week. get into my talk with comedy writer and performer Chandra Thomas. Love it. Hey, Chandra. Welcome. Hey, Colette. Thank you so much for the yummy the, welcome. I'm excited to be here. Yes. The beautiful, the talented, the Dwayan of Twitter. I want to talk to you about everything. I want to get to know you. Um, this is our first time like really chatting. We've been in tribe for a whole last year, but we never really like talked one on one. And so I've been like, I got to talk to her. Here we are. Um, you're super, you're booked and busy. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I'm going to re read your bio real quick okay. and then we're going to uh, we're going to get into it. Sounds okay? good. So Chandra Thomas is currently executive story editor on Tacoma FD. I grew up on Super Troopers. I, I love all of those uh, people. And we're, I want to talk to you about jokes also. Anyway, so previously she staffed on the Emmy nominated Multicam Mom on CBS and a new adult animated series for Amazon. Chandra also is an award-winning playwright. We're going to talk about that. Originally from New York, this writer performer is the proud daughter of immigrants, has gleefully lived all over the country and around the world and absolutely loves baseball, which we do not have in common. So I want to talk about that too. Um, so, you know, I want to ask you about living in the US and internationally, why you love baseball, <laughs> um, 
and what sparks joy for you outside in the real world. But before that, you know, I want to talk to you about screenwriting, screenwriting Twitter, how writers use social media to find work. This is not like a revolutionary uh, conversation because like everyone uses Twitter. Mm -hmm. But but I, I am curious um, just because Twitter has been such like top of the mind mm -hmm. lately with uh, Elon Musk and um, and other things. But first, can I ask you an icebreaker question? Ooh. What is a song which you thought you knew the words to, but later found out you had them all wrong? So um, there's a song that like people play at parties. Um, oh mm -hmm. man, Ugh, the name is gonna totally evade you right now. From the '90s, or yeah, like it's '90s. It's a '90s song, but like it's like everybody plays it at a party, and like I would steady be saying my lyrics, and it was a heartbreaking moment when I found out that my genius lyrics were not in fact mm. the actual Ooh. words. So now I'm like, I'm like poked that I can't remember the exact song. Um, but yes, there are so many, <laughs> there are many songs. Cause I, you know, when you're a creative, you have an active imagination. You mm -hmm. like imagine what the lyrics are. Um, hopefully I'll... Yeah, you, you think you know what you heard. Exactly. And I'm like, my version makes perfect sense. So why yeah. would it be anything else? Right. Was it, did it have something to do with Biggie? Did it have something to do with Puff Daddy? It wasn't, no, it wasn't Bigger Puff Daddy. It was like, oh man. Oh, it's like a hype, like it's a hype song. People, it's going to come to me. I might, I'm going to scan while we're, while we're. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, there's an old song from the 80s called Eyes Without a Face. Like my brother loved it. And I rediscovered it watching a Sydney Sweeney movie okay. called The Voyeurs. It's a terrible movie, but it opens with Eyes Without a Face. Mm -hmm. But the rendition is sung by um, Angel Olsen. Okay. And I always thought it was like... Um, something else entirely but i didn't know that they were just saying the title but like in french oh gotcha uh, so so i just thought it was like something nonsensical for forever until finally i was like oh it's les yeux sans visage yes. and i was like oh okay yes. nice yes now i know it's clarity <laughs> so good adulthood um you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So, uh, whatever that doesn't mean anything. But like, um, you know, we've been I've been wanting to talk to you forever, as I mentioned. You seem super positive, Aww. always on point. You know, you have a robust following on Twitter, where you also give off that same upbeat, on point impression. So, you know, I wanted to ask you about like, you know, is this like something that you conscious that you're like consciously aware of? Like, are are you, um you know, do you put a lot of thought in your brand? Um, first of all, that's so kind of you um, to, for those that reflection. I'm like, I'm just trying to do the best that I can. Um, so, you know, brand is obviously very important. Um, and frankly, to me, consistency is the greatest reflection of brand. Um, but to be honest, yeah. it all comes from my faith. Like I'm a, I'm a woman who operates from a deep sense of faith. And so um, because that's my North Star, that's my entire compass, like that's what I, that's all I can do is operate from yeah. that space. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's not me putting anything on. It's just, that's how I walk because, um, that's how I'm called to walk. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that's, that's that really though. Beautiful. I really, really appreciate that. 
So you 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 go by faith. You um, do you delete tweets ever? Do you um, do you? Because a lot of people like will do a little cleanup every now and then. And so I'm curious, like, because I I've done that before. So, uh, totally. Um, I have the tweets that I delete. I aren't very few. But the ones that I delete most consistently is because there's a spelling error and that would just make me, okay. I would not sleep. <laughs> I will not, it would keep yeah. me awake for the rest of my life. So if there is a typo in a tweet, I will delete it. Um, in terms of things that I say, I don't, my mom always said before mm -hmm. social media, like when I was a kid, when before social media was a thing, um, she was yeah. like, look, anything you're going to put in print, if you're not willing if you do not stand behind it showing up on the cover of the new york times because that's my mom's favorite newspaper it's like if you would yeah. not want to see it on the cover of the new york times with your name next to it don't write it and so that is my right. hard and fast rule for social media i won't put anything in print that i won't stand behind so i don't feel like i need to do big twitter purges because of that because i won't say mm -hmm. anything that mm -hmm. i don't stand behind, you know, a thousand percent. All of that said, yeah. there was one tweet that I have ever deleted that wasn't a typo. Um, mm -hmm. um, and I still stand behind it, but it made my life easier. So here's the thing. It was last year. Okay. Somebody, I think mm -hmm. it was Jamil um, Hill had tweeted about, you know, just the complication that we experience as black women in this country, mm -hmm. um, particularly mm -hmm. with regards to hair. And mm -hmm. I wrote a very short narrative in a tweet in response to her um, about how when I was a young kid, I was on the playground and a little girl, a little white girl came over and like pulled on my hair, you know, my little natural hair, she mm. came and pulled on my hair. And from a distance, I heard her mother say, see, I told you that's how her hair is different. So apparently his mother had told the kid to go like touch my hair without, you know, we're both little girls, um, without yeah. consent, without asking me like as though I were some sort of zoo animal. And so I yeah. wrote in response to this conversation um, that and trolls just came, came, why are you making this up? What? You're, this, no way this happened. You and I what? know this happened. I know I experienced this. I don't need to. This wasn't an inception. This wasn't something that you imagined. Like you felt this and you remember. I remember. I didn't remember how it was old traumatic. I was. Because, you know, I was a little kid. Yeah. But I remember this, yeah. you know, I had this very distinct experience. And um, I like, I just deleted the tweet. I was like, I don't, I, I just would rather not be bothered. Um, so that is one, the only tweet that I have deleted where it was like, I do not stand behind that. I mean, not, not that I don't stand behind it. I just don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Cause that's not necessary. And that, that's not what you're, you're there exactly. for. You're not. Yeah. You were sharing. You weren't, you didn't need to be, um, be, be harassed yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Exactly. For something that happened to you that was traumatic in itself anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So Yes. That's the only time that it hasn't been a typo or like me being like, oh, maybe I didn't word that right. You know, that's that's where I would yeah. delete a tweet is if I'm like, oh, I didn't word this right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I want to say for me, I think this was on Facebook. I shared a random. Uh, so I lived in Flatbush, Brooklyn for a really long time. So it's like Caribbean neighborhood, mm -hmm. Haitian uh, predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I was at the bus stop or something and I was um, just standing there and a Pathfinder rolled up on me and it was a dad. Mm. And in, of course, in true like dad fashion, he, cause I don't know if my dad would necessarily do this, but he might've, but like um, the dad looked at me and he said, Hey, can you just, and cause I was standing right in front of a daycare center that my son later ended up going mm -hmm. to. Uh, but he was like, oh, can you just open the door for my, oh, to the daycare for my kid and just walk her two steps to the daycare? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fine. I just, you know, I just did it. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything wrong by it. I wasn't getting kidnapped. The dad was clearly in a rush because it's Flatbush Avenue and like he didn't want to park. Street. He, just wanted, he, he, saw, he saw me. He was like, this girl's not going to kidnap my right. kid. Can you just like put her in the daycare mm -hmm. and i didn't have to do anything but just open the door and the, the kid mm -hmm. went anyway i put it on facebook just about how like oh this is my neighborhood um because even uh you know later on when i have my kid and i'm on the mm -hmm. bus uh there there are people who i they would just like take my son and put him on their mm -hmm. lap i i i didn't see anything now in covid I, right. i'd be more wary but like back then i didn't care. right anyway I, I love my son. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was okay. Anyway, just um, people came at, at me for that too. Just, oh, that's so naive. Why would you do something like that? And it was like totally not in you the spirit touch the of child. what you I was trying to You didn't touch the child. It was you walking and opening a door? Like what? I don't Right. It wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was like so not a big mm -hmm. deal. But the way that people understood it or, um, you know, read it, online mm -hmm. was totally not in the spirit of what I um, met. And that happens a lot on Twitter. And I, I always think back to the woman that was like travel, this white woman mm -hmm. um, who was traveling, I want to say like South Africa or something. And she got on a plane. Mm -hmm. And just before she got on the plane, I don't know if you remember this, but like she tweeted like, you know, going to South Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, like something, something really horrible. But by the time she landed, her whole life was like blown right. up. She got fired, um, just totally, but, I mean, um, you know, blasted online. Really? That was gross. Right. It was super gross. But like she thought that within her community of Twitter followers, mm -hmm. it was it was fine. But like, yeah, it blew up from from right, there. right. Um, so it's like you know, you definitely have to think before you tweet. And and even in my instance, I feel like I, I deleted it just because when I wrote about the daycare thing, just because like it just it was so it was so stupid, like it wasn't what I was intending. Right. Um, and but, that's the thing, anyway, right? Yeah, you lose a lot of nuance in social yeah. media, especially when um, what you're saying is going outside of the circle of people who already know you. Right. If you if I know you enough to be like, girl. She just opened a door. Like, why are we, you know, why is this a moment versus people who are coming yeah. from no context of a person? Like, that's always the part that feels most frustrating, right? Is like, yeah, I had no intention of saying, you know, communicating X, Y, and Z. Um, and that wasn't what the experience was, right? So, um, yes, yeah, yeah. nuance, yeah, you don't often know get lost. I had a meeting once with a successful comedy mm -hmm. writer, and she told me, uh, really look at your Twitter. If it's not funny, if it's not hitting, just uh, either 
put your account on private or just delete it because you people look at that and that could make or break you getting a job. But then when I talked to, I, I said this to our mentor, Amy Aniobi, she said, you know, and what made me feel a lot better was just kind of like what you're saying is just be your authentic self and don't pay any attention to it, but just don't be mean spirited. Like, you know, oh, I'm going, you know, hope I don't get AIDS. Like, don't don't say something like that. That's a no, no for anybody. Um, but yeah, just be yourself. So I I thought that, that was that was very helpful to know. But has Twitter ever helped you? Because like Akila Green has spoken about how uh, Twitter helped her land jobs. And even recently, and it was kind of slightly craven, this guy named Zach Morrison. I don't know if you saw recently. And it was really cute. I liked it and I shared it. But he sang this song about like, give me a job. And he laid out like all about him, his style, even just the song itself reflects his style. And he put it out there on Twitter, which is, you know, the public, the public space. This is where you can reach people. And if they like your shit, then they're going to want to know more. So um, and, and even people commented like, oh, this um, just by seeing this, I, I want to read your work. So has that ever happened to you? Because you work in comedy. Yeah, so I'm a comedy writer who who writes other stuff too. Um, so, um, yes, I, I haven't had the like somebody read a joke of mine on Twitter and they hired me. I have not had that experience. Um, I kudos to people who that has been their experience. Um, but how Twitter, I think, is invaluable to um, TV writers or people who want to pursue. Um, a career in especially TV writing, but even um, in the feature space as well. Uh, because Twitter is where writers can shine in a way that we can't necessarily shine on like an Instagram or a TikTok. Um, and it's not to say that writers can't or shouldn't be in those other platforms also, but there is definitely an ingrained sort of like screenwriting Twitter culture um, that I think can be helpful. Um, I have definitely had people see, um, you know, like accolades and like people sort of shouting me out and then wanting to like offer to read or offer to make an introduction or offer to meet. Um, I've had a ton of that. Um, has any of it directly connected to me landing um, a room or um, or like a development or not, not yet necessarily, um, but this business is is about relationships. It's about building out community. People like to use the term networking. I think community is a way more accurate way to think about it. Um, and so you, it takes steps to build community. With one person, you might have one meeting with them and instantaneously you're best friends, right? And with somebody else, it may take 20 meetings with them. And then they're like, cool, maybe I'll do, you know, so all these, it takes so many different numbers of hits of like interacting with people in order um, for them to fall into a category of like, know, and trust. And that's who people hire in this business, people who they like, know, and trust. Um, and, you know, what we have seen, unfortunately, is that people can often be very close about closed about that circle of who they consider to fall into that category. Um, and so, you know, building out community in, in an active way um, can be such a great, great, great 
resource, you know, way to use Twitter. And that's at least that's how I look to do it. In terms of it has to be if it's not funny, if they're not all jokes, it like I I personally very much disagree with that. First of all, I'm also a multi-hyphenate. Um, I am, as as you already mentioned, I'm a writer, um, actor, producer. So I, you know, have other hats. But I I think that people um, want to see like the person, um, it, not just the funny, but the person. And to be clear, I absolutely have tons of humor on my Twitter feed. Like I I like to laugh. I want to make other people laugh. But I don't think of it as a place to just workshop jokes. I also speak about like the real things that are happening in our world. I also am very active about using my Twitter feed to amplify um, space and opportunity yes. for people of color. Like very active mm -hmm. about that. Um, and so yeah, yeah, you call it boosting. I do call it boosting. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Exactly, uh -huh. exactly. So any opportunity that makes sense to me that could be of support to a, a person of color, like I will boost it. Um, so and also during um, like in about a month from now, um, I have for the last several school years been supporting teachers. Um, last year, um, my Twitter feed, my Twitter campaign helped about 1,500 mm -hmm. teachers um, get supplies wow. for their classrooms. Um, Uh -huh. Not only from my own personal support, but by boosting and sharing and amplifying it and engaging other folks who I know who are interested in making sure that kids have basic necessities in their classrooms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. to me, it's it's my space. I get to use it as I wish. And it reflects who I am as a complete person. Um, things that I'm invested in, things that I'm interested in. Also, heck of funny. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so you show a, a range but I, I like when you were saying that like like know and trust and yeah when a, an average person is not always like cracking jokes exactly uh, average person has uh has uh mul you know contains multitudes exactly so i i love that i love that um because I, i think i did see a teacher tweet at you and ask you to retweet or something yeah, so uh, we, because they we, were they were looking for yeah surprise. so we do yeah, concentrated we do a concentrated campaign in like the like it's usually like three weeks um and it's usually like sort of the the mid to end of august into september um is when we do the concentrated campaign but because the teachers know that like i'm you know i'm excited to support them it, it's now year-round that at least once a week, I'll get an additional tweet from a teacher asking, you know, for some sort of support. And I and when you say we, there there's a few people. Yeah, that do. Yeah, it. there are. There are. Um, there are several of us who do it. Um, and I've sort of built this, you know, sort of like band of folks, uh, mostly in the industry. Um, and we, you know, we just do what we can. Like, obviously, there's no way for us as individuals to support every single solitary ask. But even by putting it in front of, I, I think about one of the most successful um, threads we had last year um, was um, we got like, in a row, like a dozen teachers from Maryland. And there was somebody who lives in Maryland, who just was like, supported every one of those campaigns, right? You know, all those asks. Um, and that was because, you know, we had like created this space to like, you know, for teachers to be able to to come and post and us to share it, you know? So, um, so yeah, like it's, it's, um, it's very, it's just super heartening. Um, and when the teacher said, I'm, 
there was a teacher outside of the, the concentrated campaign time. It was earlier this year. So, you know, maybe like January, February, a teacher in Michigan um, was saying that was had put out a list and one of there are a few teachers who I especially trust if they poke me and say, Chandra, really, please really look at this person. Um, I will. Um, and so one of my one of my teacher buds um, messaged me and she was like, this teacher really needs help, Chandra. Um, you know, is there anything that, you know, that you might be able to do? And I just I just I just sponsored her whole list. <laughs> um, she was wow. asking for loose leaf paper and pens. And I mean, like to me, basic just, things that she wasn't able to get. Like yeah. I, I cannot comprehend how a teacher is supposed to teach. I don't remember what grade, but I believe it was like like late elementary in Maryland, in Michigan. That one was in Michigan. Michigan, yeah. yeah. Um, Michigan had a really great um, public school program, and then Betsy DeVos and and others were um, gutted it. They they were um, instrumental in even before she became secretary of education, because um, that's her state, and she's really like pro private school. I mean, she's she wants to indoctrinate everybody but like yeah just really sickening so that's horrible is like detroit or something no it was not it was a small little town you know in the hills Mm -hmm. the boot hills of michigan um but she like how is somebody supposed to teach without literally paper and pen like maybe they don't need the fanciest laptop (laughs) but you can't teach without a paper and pen so anyway, so, you know, there's those kinds of things. But again, across the board, like my Twitter space is, is are, you know, so it's about things that I think are important, um, which ha- How did that start? Yeah. But how did that start, though? With the teachers? Yeah. So a few years ago, um, I saw the clear the lists. Um, so I – so. Rewind a little bit. So I co-founded a nonprofit organization many years ago in New York called Vibe Theater Experience. And our entire mission, when I was um, co-running the organization, our entire mission was to um, provide arts education opportunities for teen girls through the collaborative arts. So um, everything was entirely devised and um, derived by uh, the teen girls that we worked with. And so it was a real blend of arts and education and community. And so education is something even beyond like my own experience of life, like something that I've been like personally passionate about. Um, And so a few years ago, um, someone who is from that part of my life, um, had sort of amplified this, a uh, clear the list to me. And like, I just saw one, like, you know, I didn't even, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, this looks like some, like the teachers need whatever, you know, whatever the thing was in that initial one that I saw. And then started to sort of like peel it back and started finding more and more. And that this was like literally like a Twitter campaign. And like, there are some brands that have been very active about supporting, but you know, they support obviously to a limit and to a level. Um, There were people who have much higher profiles, much, much, much higher profiles than I, who were um, also, you know, supporting um, and engaging. Um, Some of those people have dialed back, others haven't, others continue to do so. Um, But uh, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm going to do what little I can do to help. And so that's just ramped up over um, the last several years. That's amazing. Uh, and especially right now, 
I don't know if this if it extends to like homeschool or Zoom school back, like over the pandemic, if like you had to work Absolutely. With, with actual families. Absolutely. And so like some of the, you know, I, I've seen so many different things in these in the the asks, you know, the requests from teachers. Um, obviously, like I've mentioned, like basic, basic, basic necessities. But in other situations, it's, you know, when they, especially when they were doing hybrid school, um, they were needing duplicates of things, right? Because the kids could not share books, for example. So it was like having, they had to buy like double what, you know, they would normally have. Um, sometimes it's like cleaning supplies. I have a teacher um, that um, we helped sponsor in um, New York. I believe she's in Brooklyn. And she was like, she's a counselor, um, you know, like a high school counselor. And she was, one of her asks was, sanitary napkins because, you know, like the girls would come into her office and be like, you know, with the skirt, you know, the thing tied around their waist and not have access to products. And I was like, absolutely. I was that kid. And I was never the kid who like remembered to like bring sanitary products with me never as a kid. And so I inevitably mm-hmm. was the one who like had the sweatshirt tied around my waist and yeah, going to the nurse's exactly, office. Exactly. Exactly. And uh-huh. you know, they, uh, they may not have a nurse that they can go to or the nurse might not even have the products, but you know, they trust this high school counselor to go to her. Um, so that was something that, you know, that we helped to sponsor. Um, and you know, there are a variety of things, right? Because we recognize that teachers are not just you know, unfortunately, they're being asked to do even more than just teach, right? Um, and providing so many social services and um, family support in, in so many different ways. And not getting the support for it. Absolutely. Not getting the support, yes. not getting the funding that they need <laughs> to do the job. Right. Exactly. Right. And schools, school's just a few weeks away because like in California, they start like in mid-August. Yeah. So it's, it's happening soon. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I'll, we'll have a link in the show notes for, uh, but it's basically just your, yeah, your Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. And just uh, so people can just go to your Twitter and then they can see how they can Absolutely. Help. Exactly. We'll have um, the pinned tweet will go up to teachers for them to start putting up their campaign. I have some directives mm-hmm. to help them this year <laughs> so that they can have most, you know, sometimes a lot of the teachers are like, I, first of all, they shouldn't have to do this. Agree. They shouldn't have yeah. to be on Twitter asking people to help them. They're not show, social media right. editors. So, yeah. like, you know, it's just uh-huh. to help them, like, have the most, like, you know, for the 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 post or, you know, the post or the system that's going to be most helpful um, and for me to right. help them, right? Because I cannot tell you how many hours I spend going, writing to teachers and be like, your link isn't working. <laughs> Oh no! We can't help you, you know. So you know, as you're trying to do your work and you're trying to shine and you're trying to, you know, perform and and you know, yeah. So it's a lot. lot. That's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of juggling. And then it's a side. That's a side business. Yeah, it's a side volunteer process because you know I'm not. I'm not making (laughs) a single dime off of any of this. In fact, I am. You know, also personally um, investing um as well so yeah 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 but, yeah, but 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 I, what i mean is just to to you're you're keeping an engine absolutely. running and you're helping you're helping uh teachers to you know teach their kids and and to keep and to keep their systems absolutely. in place so so yeah so not not so much like a profit <laughs> business but it's it's definitely a machine a happening big, that you have to a lot. keep going it's, it's a yes. very intense three four weeks very intense 
Um, yeah. cause I also, as you pointed out, I'm doing my other things too. Like the thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So this all reminds me of Abbott Elementary because there's that great episode with social mm -hmm. media where uh, Quinta, who's the queen of social, yeah. that's another queen of social media, Quinta Brunson's mm -hmm. character um, is getting schooled by Janelle James's character mm -hmm. on on how to do like how to craft like the perfect TikTok mm -hmm. to lure people to, you know, donate um, school Absolutely. supplies. Uh, both the both of them have been nominated for Emmys. Yes. Um, we're talking the same day of the Emmy nominations. Zendaya made history today. Um, youngest producer to be nominated. Amazing. Squid Game, Severance, like all these great shows. Amazing. Then, um, yeah. But then you know it's also like topsy turvy in that like you know Kevin Bacon's going to be hosting a quiz show that was announced. Um, you know NASA reveals the first you know deep space pictures. Benny Feldstein was basically fired from new from Funny Girl. I want to say New Girl, but it's Funny Girl. She's replaced by Leah Michelle. Um, the reason why I bring all this stuff up is that you know these things happen on Twitter, mm -hmm. like they're announced on Twitter. Um, Benny Feldstein quit on Twitter. She quit Funny Girl on Twitter. She blindsided the producers because she was basically she knew she was getting fired, so she was like, "Fuck it," and she she quit publicly, mm. and that that cleared the way for Leah Michelle. Um, and then Leah Michelle has been accused of being a bully also on Twitter. Um, you know, it's a vast universe. That the internet. It's uh, you know, but and we occupy very small corners of of this vast universe. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to know, like, how you consume Twitter, you know, how do you, um, like, what's your corner of the, the vast universe of Twitter? Um, I am, I use Twitter as a filter for things that I am especially um, invested in. And so I'm not somebody mm -hmm. who spends just endless hours on Twitter. Um, because I'm I'm working. <laughs> yeah, you're living life. <laughs> I am doing things. Um, but I will say one of the things that I find really helpful is using Twitter as an aggregate for information. So that yes, means me global, you know, international news, um, industry-related mm -hmm. news, and then um, a voice and style and tone um, that can be really helpful. Um, and that's really, that to me is, is sort of what I allow in um, broadly speaking in terms of, of my Twitter. So uh, what I hear a lot, so I was at an event uh, for Hillman grad over the weekend mm. and I was talking to some friends who were in the program and we were talking about like comedy in general mm. Because um, you work, you know, Tacoma um, FD, Tacoma Fire Department, um, also known as the, the with the Super Trooper mm -hmm. guys um, and Beer Fest mm -hmm. guys, like hilarious J jokes on jokes. But we were talking about how lately a lot of comedies that are out there are not always funny. It's more story. And and they were um, I also read something about how like streaming also plays into a role. Also, Twitter just does, too, like um the you know the writers are influenced by what's happening in the culture and then also they're influenced by like what what you know the people who are paying the money um want like in terms of a, a streaming mm -hmm. show like you know it's it's um it's not episodic sort of like a seinfeld like crazy comedies 
um, because you have to keep people binging and watching to, to find out what's going to happen in the story. So like, how does all of that influence your writing? So um, it's sort of two, I look at it in two different ways, if I will. Um, so I agree, there is definitely a broader definition of comedy that's happening right now. And as somebody who is deeply invested in comedy, I think it is great. I think it is fantastic. The fact that something that's like The Bear, which just came out on Hulu, is considered so a comedy, right? So delicious. It's considered a comedy. And that also Abbott Elementary is considered a comedy. And that, um, you know, Tacoma FD is considered, like, that all of these get to exist in the comedy spectrum and push the boundary of what comedy can be. I, the boundaries, um, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I know people very much are like, there's a lot of like hubbub about like, what is this, these networks and platforms and doing to da da da. Um, I, I, I think it helps all of us in the long run, um, to be very honest. Now they're going to perhaps for awards purposes, there may need to be a future where some of these definitions are redefined. Uh, but in terms of genre and genre expansion, I think it's fantastic. Um, and I think if you're not exclusively concerned about the awards, which awards obviously have um, and are of import, um, but if if we're looking outside of that, I think for um, for television, it's it we're in a it's a great place to be. Um, in terms of um, and I will also add, um, I if we're going to have a conversation about like what's like social media that like maybe impacting how TV comedy is happening, mm -hmm. I would not, I would be less inclined to bring up Twitter in that. I'd be way more inclined to bring up TikTok. I think if anything, Ooh. TikTok is what's actually reshaping what, um, in terms of social media influence, is reshaping uh -huh. what um, TV comedy um, is looking like. Because TikTok is so immediate. Somebody can literally have an idea at 8 a.m. and it could be up on their TikTok by 845. Um, they can respond to and things- And funny. And be funny. Yeah, saying, um, uh, I'm talking about comedy right now. Um, they, mm -hmm. can, they can say things and do things quicker. A TV show at its absolute most rapid is going to take two months from the time that an episode is written to the time that it airs. At, I mean, at least. So if something is funny in the zeitgeist really, you know, requires the like a witty he, he, he. Okay, cool. I wrote it today, but y'all not going to see it till September, October. You know what I mean? Where it, you, the 45 minute turnaround, right? In a TikTok space and have visuals and have editing and have character and have jokes, you know, like basically all of the, the structural pieces that would go into a com an episode of comedy, um, what can happen in a 30 second, 20 second, 15 second um, TikTok, obviously not as fleshed out, obviously, obviously, you know, all the things that we know, obviously not that version of it, but it can happen. But it's a seed. It can happen. And so to me, that's way more impactful than Twitter, um, which, you know, is more about words and yes, obviously some image, yes, obviously some video, but um, not in that same um, immediacy as, as a TikTok. Um, so to go back to your core question, though, of like what, um, how it's affecting my writing, um, 
it, <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, bring it all on. Um, there are stories I came, I got into the TV writing game because there are stories that I want to see. There are stories that I want to tell. There are stories that I want to amplify. And so mm -hmm. how I might tell those stories might be slightly shifted based on X, Y, and Z, not radically, um, because there are some tenets of television that, you know, that are just tenets of television. But in terms of the, the content, I know what I want to say. I know what stories I want to tell. I know what stories I'm invested in. That's not going to change. <laughs> That's not going to change. And they're stories because we don't see them. We're not seeing them. We're not hearing them. We're not experiencing them. So in terms of my own, the, the writing that I create from my own voice um, is, is um, not shifted in terms of uh, what, what those stories are. So, yeah. Yeah, because there's no way you can chase that that unicorn of like um you know, I I can't think of I took TikTok off my phone, but like uh like even uh, I think about the the partition um the Beyoncé the where um you know, it it was Otsko the comedian that that created it where um everyone oh, lowers yeah, yeah. themselves mm -hmm. so to the music yeah. and everyone was yep. doing it. Kerry Washington, uh, the people from Bob Hart's Adishola, mm -hmm. like you name it, they they were doing the partition. Mm -hmm. So you you can't you can't chase that unicorn be when you're writing. You have to sort of ignore it. I wouldn't say ignore. What I'll say is, what's to me? I think the successful version is what's the kernel of it, right? So the mm. kernel of it is this social or a, a version of the kernel could be right is yeah. that um there is a, a a a studied movement that everybody gets involved in and so i may not necessarily write the like oh we're gonna lower do our lower down but i might do a group moment where like everybody does a little you know head bop together right like you know so what's the kernel of it because that can live forever, you know, the kernel of the thing. But even when the the surface of it, the like the reflection of it is uh, has faded in people's memories because, you know, these things come come and go so quickly, right. which which goes back to uh, the Abbott Elementary episode where they use TikTok, but they use just what you're, you're saying, like the kernel is that um, the, the idea of the episode was that the team needs school right. supplies, the team needs to do uh, take take you know drastic steps right. in order to to get supplies right. what's the best way mm -hmm. TikTok, mm -hmm. and and then that's when janelle james's character can shine because you she's know she's expert. a TikTok right, queen. right right she's an right. expert and so then that that's where it feeds into this overall mm -hmm. idea so i can see i can see what mm -hmm. you mean this, this is brilliant so like um okay so you know twitter has uh 229 million uh daily users uh, I don't know the number for TikTok, but yes, it's also influential um, and it's also a vast universe of like all different kinds of, um, you know, anything from like knotless braids mm -hmm. to like why, uh, you know, what Hunter Biden's up to mm -hmm. in his like sex parties mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, this is our reality, but I'm curious also like because it is it is a lot of craziness that's happening in this mm -hmm. world. And so I'm curious, like if you lived in any fictional world, uh, what would it be and why? Um, it would be um, Hillman University uh, from nice. a different world. Um, Who would you be friends with? I'd want to. I'd probably be friends with Cree Summers' character, Freddie. Yeah, I would. 
I would want to be friends with her, but I would probably be the one who would be annoyed by her. Like, like, yeah, I want (laughs) to like you, but you annoy me. (laughs) Well, Kimberly was super on point, but she was, you know, she was tight with. Yes, exactly. I probably would have been closer to a Kim than anybody else. That's for sure. Uh Um, Yes. And because it just um, it was just such a. such an influential experience. It was just, yeah, it would just be amazing to to live in that fictitious world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love a different world. It's still, it, I, I haven't watched it in the last few years. I need to, to revisit, but like, yeah, it got me through college. Yes, like it's, for it's sure. Great. It's amazing show. For sure. Um, I guess for me, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Jasmine Guillory books. I haven't. She's a, yeah she's a black uh, romance writer mm-hmm. um she was a lawyer and then just has now devoted her life to to writing amazing. um romance novels amazing um she's written the wedding date the proposal oh, yes. party the of wedding two. date's been on my list oh, okay. okay yeah i i have it if if i see you i'll i'll, I'll give it to you <laughs> but yeah just super fun you'll read it in two days it's um they're they're fresh nice. fun i would want to live in that world everybody eats everybody eats really Ooh. well everybody's really good looking um, i have one of her books um i have one of her books i haven't read it yet because i'm i'm kind of in between the mothers um i've been meaning to read brit bennett for a while mm-hmm. so i'm reading um the mothers right now uh, but I, I do have while we were dating Jasmine Guillory. But anyway, I would live in her nice. world. Everyone is it's like fun, sexy, and people eat good. Ooh. So that's and and it's modern. It's you know it's whatever's happening now, but not all like the dumpster fire shit. Okay. So like Oof, we like that. So so I can still yeah. So I can still be me, but like you know not amid like dumpster fire <laughs> shit. So do you have? So do you have like uh, a favorite app on your phone other than Twitter? Like what's your daily routine like? Um, like uh, phone wise. Okay, my daily routine phone wise. Um, let's see. Oh, Duolingo is right now very, oh. very important app. Spanish? Yes. So I used to have way more facility. So I speak French. Um for, uh-huh. for well enough to live. I lived in France for a bit and um so, you know, survivable French, we'll call it, though I'm very under- nice. uh, out-practiced because I, you know, I haven't used it much recently. But Spanish, uh-huh. I had like more facility at and um, I have three women in my life who I consider my sisters. And um, one of them is uh, from Puerto Rico, Puerto Rican born and raised um, and still lives in Puerto Rico. And she has my first nephew and one of my nieces. And they came and visited me um, a, maybe a month, two months ago or so at this point. And I realized how much my Spanish has so evaporated. Yeah. Because if you're I not, not yeah. using it. Yeah, and yeah. so literally yeah. when they left, I was like, I need to get my Spanish back together. So um, I have been a Duolingo like bloop 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 downloading. I have uh-huh. been nonstop on Duolingo. It's it's in, like in between every moment. Like if I if I'm not working, I'm on Duolingo basically. So yeah, that's the big app in the house oh, right now. Yeah. So so as I said, my my family's from Haiti. Mm-hmm. So uh, I grew up with my 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 family speaks uh, French and Creole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I typically um, spoke. 
French with my parents. Um, so my my and then especially when my dad, because um, my dad died of Alzheimer's. Mm. So like he reverted back to his first language, which was wow. French. So I, I got really good. Right. I mean, my mom corrected my grammar on her deathbed and I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm I'm <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> but like, um, you know. I, I, I practice here and there. So I, I, I get you with the um, how it sort of fades into exactly. the background. Exactly. Um, so you lived all over the world. This was in your. Yeah. So so what happened with that? Where'd you live? What's the best place? Um, so I've lived in a bunch of different states. Um, um, my favorite, my two favorite states are not ones I lived in. They were just ones that I visited. Um, and that was Hawaii, uh, which was surprising nice. because, you know, like I always thought it was sort of like, it's always branded as sort of like a touristy trappy kind of place. And what was mm -hmm. so incredible about it is it felt like I was in another country. Um, and obviously we recognize that the history of Hawaii and how it was annexed into the United States is, um, you know, literally it was another country <laughs> that was yeah. annexed, well, um, yeah. and, yeah. um, colonized, uh, and yeah. so, does it, you are also talking about Puerto Rico too. Yes, so yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Very. I, mm -hmm. I mean, the difference, at least for right now, is that Puerto Rico is an occupied, colonized nation versus right. um, a, a forced state. Um, but mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So I, I but once I got there and saw that, like, oh wait a second, like this is another country. Like it was. I, I had such an incredible incredible um experience and time there um the other place that i haven't officially lived but i spent some time in um was in new mexico um and oh, i nice. really um there it's was very chill something super i know i don't know any other way to describe it but something super spiritual about the earth like the ground felt like it was like sacred in just a way that i have not experienced in this country um, so those are my two favorite states, <laughs> though I've not lived in either of those. It's funny that you mentioned that, uh, my friend Min, and I can't remember if it's New Mexico or it's Arizona, if it's, um, like Sedona or if it's, um, it's not Taos, but like somewhere in New Mexico, there's a really like cosmic mm. area where a lot of like, I think rich people mm. go for, um, to uh I, you know for like meditation mm -hmm. retreats or something i forgot where it mm -hmm. is but it sounds like what you're describing mm -hmm. um yeah there i've been only to santa fe and i thought it was like super chill really mm -hmm. cool uh but yeah there is something weird about being all the way out there in the desert mm -hmm. um there's some there's some stuff going on there's um there's something in the underground I, I don't know is. something cosmic i don't know if i could live there because i don't i don't know if i tolerate heat that <laughs> that well but like yeah i could visit and i could be like oh, okay <laughs> and then <laughs> then i go back to like a beachy more beachy area so um before i let you go i wanted to play like a quick game okay. but um one thing i wanted to ask mm -hmm. you is um you know, for me, like, especially going back to Twitter, when I, I'm into a show, you mentioned The Bear, um, we mentioned Abbott Elementary, like, I'm, as soon as these shows air and I'm into them, I start following them on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So, like, who are people that you follow on Twitter? And then also, 
what's a skill that you think every TV writer should have? Oh my goodness. Whether it's on Ooh, Twitter or just stakes. in general. Um, so yes. in terms of follows, I feel like I'm a super boring because again, I use Twitter to as an aggregate. Um, so to me, the most important, the two most important people's groups that I follow are um, uh, the trades. <laughs> so I follow the yes. trades. And then the Variety, other thread is, um, well, two more threads, then um, yes. personal finance and then um, home Ooh. improvement because those are the things that like Ooh. are most interesting and exciting to me. So that's, those, those are the, the buckets that I follow. Um, uh -huh. To your question about, um, and I was try I've been trying to find this song and I can't find this song. It's going to irritate me for the rest of the day uh, this, that we talked about at the top, um, this, this uh, party song that I can't remember. Um, yeah. Uh, to your question, though, about what, what the skill that I think every TV writer should have or should know, mm -hmm. um, I was actually speaking with a group of, um, of emerging TV writers last night. And it's the thing that it's, it's what I said to them, which is, um, so in order to get into the room, you do have, especially if you're not coming, um, if you're not being sort of grandfathered in because of nepotism or some longstanding relationship or, you know, what have you, um, you have to have a really good script. And that's how most people are going to get into a room. They have to have a really, really good script, something that's going to spark someone's imagination, their trust, their belief that this person has a voice, has a way into their voice and so on. However, once in the room, actually writing a script is maybe 10% of the work. Um, yeah. You know, most- Because then you're a producer in that moment. Not necessarily, um, because in the earlier stages, right, there are different ranks, right, levels that one goes mm -hmm. up in um, a TV writer's room based on um, mm -hmm. the titles uh, designated by the WGA. Uh, when you're mm -hmm. at the lower levels, it's not necessarily expected or anticipated that you'll be producing. Listen, to be honest, the way that this the the room writer rooms are changing right now, there are people who have the title of co e co ep co executive producer, which is you know essentially the highest title you can get, you know before ep. Um, executive producer, and they've never produced an episode of television before. OMG. That is happening a ton right now. And so it's not necessarily about producing as much as, right, so much of writer's rooms is the, the dynamic of the room. And I think a lot of people as TV writers don't consider that piece of it. So there are um, elements to being in a, a room, which means pitching, right? There's tons of pitching coming up with ideas, building on other people's pitches, developing and, and fostering a collaboration. No matter what your level is, you could be part of doing that. Um, and so really the, like, the people skills of it, the being in the room skills of it is the thing that I think more TV writers could potentially be developing. Um, and it's not something that you necessarily think, right? You think, oh, if I'm good at writing the scripts, what more do I need? <laughs> um, and once you're in the room, it's so much of more of those other things than even writing a script. A lower level writer sometimes don't even get to write a script by themselves. Or if they do get to write a script, they maybe get to write a script with somebody else. Um, and uh, so, you know, but you are always expected to, to pitch. And 
to build and to give notes on other people's pitches and to offer um, anecdotes and stories from your life and from your experience that could be that could help develop a story or a character or evolve an episode. Um, you know, there's so many of those other things that are involved beyond just pen to paper. Yeah, wow. You brought up so many incredible things. Um, I don't want to take up too much You're of your good. time. Um, but one thing is that uh, I wanted to ask you is because I, I interviewed um, uh, Gloria Bigelow, who works on Bob and Bob Hart's Abishola. I've known Gloria for you... a very, very, very long time. Oh, she's yeah. amazing. She's so nice, yeah. so funny. So uh, you are both from that Chuck, uh, Chuck Lorre world. Um, and Chuck Lorre knows how to make a TV show. So like, you know, I had uh, Two and a Half Men, like mm -hmm. so many, so many successful comedies. Mm -hmm. um, what What's something that you learned that um, has stayed with you for now, now the new projects that you're working on? Um, so uh, there are a few things, but the thing that I think most people would be surprised by is um, that your script needs to be clean. <laughs> And what I mean by clean is, you know, sometimes in writers' rooms, TV writers can get sloppy about like grammar and not grammar in terms of if a character speaks in a grammatical way that's different from maybe somebody else. I'm not talking about that, right? Staying true to the voice of the character always. But they are cool with typos or not, or shorthanding this or that um, on the page. And in, my experience um, in the Chuck Lorre room is that the scripts need to be clean. Um, because, yeah. <laughs> and I know that sounds so like, that sounds yes. so basic, but like now having been in other rooms, I like value that because, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, it becomes really hard to understand what the intention was if like the, it's fraught with typos or um, there are um, like tons of like just grandmas all over the place. There's not a consistent tone. Um, it's hard to follow the character because the we lost track of where this character was. Like just a clean script um, is something that like I very much <laughs> hold on to. And it sounds so basic, but it's it's huge. That's great. No, it, it's uh, time is money, and that would slow any production down so you want to so yeah you need to come correct basically yeah correct coming is, is, yeah. A is not a bad thing yes okay so i want to play a game with okay you. it's very silly Also in honor of, you have um, this highlight on your uh, Insta called Say That Again, where you, um, going back to the boosting, the community, you highlight different filmmakers and you talk mm -hmm. to them and you get insight from them. Um, this has nothing to do with that because these are more like news headlines, but it's sort of like Say That Again because these are weird headlines. Okay. So it honors you. It's a kernel. It honors it's you. It's a kernel of the idea. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Something totally different. Okay. So here's the headline. At least blank 
we'll have time to see Leah Michelle in Funny Girl before she goes to prison. Is it the killer yoga lady that's been on the news recently, Jen Shaw or Ghislaine Maxwell? Before you even offered me the options, I was like, oh, Jen, who got her braids, she already got her braids put in. She, I know. I like, okay. All right. Looks so good. Get your braids before you go to jail. Go ahead. Live it. Oh, yeah. Jen Shaw. Um, where, like, I don't know how the show's going to survive. It has to. The It'll just be like um, Real Housewives of Prison. <laughs> it does feel like a good number Getting of them her... are prison bound on it. Yeah, you know, as she gets her hair laid and like you know um, deals with lawyers and stuff. All the things. I'm 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 interested. <laughs> uh, I I'd, I'd watch that show because I mean it, it's like a combination of Real Housewives and like Prison Lockup, like the the MSNBC show, like all there it is. Yeah. Okay. Next one. A video of a man appearing to wear blank while exercising in a gym goes viral. Is it Jimmy Choo Pumps, Penny Loafers, or Ugg Boots? So this was on Twitter. So I do know it's Ugg Boots, but I really uh-huh. <laughs> would be excited about the Jimmy Choo's. Like that would be... Yeah. Like I would be down for that. They, they challenge yourself, um, man, exercising. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one is Olympic gymnast Simone Biles reveals flight attendant mistook her for a child and offered her a blank. Did she offer her a Hot Wheels car, a pencil, or a coloring book? This one, I don't for sure know, but I would love for it to be a coloring book because I feel like even as an adult, we all should be using more coloring books. I think a lot of people will be less less stressed if they just sat with some crayons (laughs) and some paper and just chilled. See, that's how I, it was a coloring book. And that's how I would have spinned it if, uh, if the Simone was like, hey, bitch, I'm a full ass adult i'm 25 years old i'm not a kid why'd you give me a coloring book and i would i would (laughs) have i would have said i'm sorry miss biles i thought you wanted some relaxation exactly she could have spun it yes yes so this one is um this is another tweet and it has to do with the show bear which we were Mm -hmm. talking about okay I have moved on from men that look like Jeremy Allen White because I have self-esteem. But there really is something about his blank. Is it hands, eyes, or mouth? Um, I'm just mad that somebody wrote this. So I'm still stuck <laughs> on that. I know y'all can't see my face, but I am making a face. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, let Jeremy live his life. He's not bothering nobody. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Um, I love him so If much. we're gonna try to engage with madness, um, let's say his eyes. So it's hands. Okay. Because there's there was a uh, he was he was giving good hands in in a in a picture. Oh. And uh, that that tweet came from someone that I follow named Meech on Twitter. And Meech is very snarky. Always has um. Uh, like really funny tweets like that. So what's making you happy these days? This is my last question. Mm-hmm. 
What's making you happy? What is making me happy these days? Um, uh, getting to do, there's some things that, that, uh, in my home that, um, I'm finally getting to do, mm-hmm. uh, which Oh, the home yeah, improvement. Yeah, home improvement nice. list. Um, so that is bringing me a lot of joy. <laughs> um, yes. A ton of joy. Uh, all, it's not giving JC Penny. It's not. We, no, we don't do JC Penny here. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's definitely bringing me joy. Um, always my family and my, my close friends, always. Um, my sisters, who uh-huh. I mentioned, um, who live all over the world and they're little bitty bitties. Yeah. Um, absolutely bringing me joy. Um, always, uh, being, you know, centered in my faith is, brings me joy. My plants, my plants are bringing me joy. Oh, I didn't know you were a plant mama. I have turned, I have turned into, uh, I'm calling myself the urban vegan. Like I have totally turned into that plant lady. In fact, this morning from my balcony, I picked my first tomato, Ooh. Um, I would have brought her on. I didn't know she was going to get a shout out. I would have brought her on for her to make her debut. Shout out to Miss Tomato. About to get eaten. She is. She's about to get popped. <laughs> She's about to get in that belly. Uh, but I'm so proud of her coming off of the balcony. And there's some more uh, that oh. are ready to, to make their debuts. So, um, so, yeah. So those are all things that bring me joy. And then um, from a work perspective, uh, as you mentioned, I just wrapped on as a writer on Tacoma FD. I was also invited to come on as a guest actor uh, on the season premiere of the show. So awesome. that is, you know, brought me so much joy to, to that my showrunners trusted me. Um, not only as a writer, but also as an actor and to get to come on and, and get to um, continue to do the the acting that I love in addition to the writing that I love. Uh, and then on top of that, I have a development deal um, with a studio and I am developing a series, a drama um, for um, a, stu- a major studio based on a very, wow. very well-known piece of IP. And just getting so much joy from seeing this story come together in a way that I think is going to be really fun and really impactful and a fresh take on something that people are familiar with. Um, Plus, I have a couple Mm -hmm. of other originals, which is that is bringing me such joy as well um, of being able to. um, In fact, I have a meeting that I'm going to get started working on uh, once we wrap today. But um, really, this is incredible. You're hearing history. everyone. (laughs) So, you know, those are all those are from a life perspective, from a work perspective. um, I'm really a strong believer in cultivating joy. Yes. Okay. this is incredible cultivate joy um we have to because uh this is a lot of dumpster fire shit is Mm -hmm. happening but we we have to get it where we Mm -hmm. can how can people find you so um you can find me um we we love to shout out twitter here on on um on yummy coco so i'm gonna do my twitter first um so i'm at my uh chandra c-h-a-n-d-r-a the number seven Thomas. So Chandra seven Thomas is where I am on Twitter. On Instagram, it's Chandra Thomas. And then on your TV screen, that's where you can find me. Yes, <laughs> yes. We didn't talk about baseball. Why do you love, just real quick, why do you love baseball? 
And who do you love? Um, I am a diehard Mets fan, but I love the sport, period. Um, I love it uh-huh. because it blends athleticism and strategy. Okay. I've been to Shea Stadium. It was a lot of fun. Not Whatever the new Shea Stadium is. We still call it Shea. You were fine, girl. Nice. You were so Yeah. Fun. Okay. okay. <laughs> it was very nice. It was very nice. Uh, I was more into like um, – everything else not the game that's, but like uh because they have a nice yep. like uh eating area and that's my area. big rub with this new stadium is literally that like i'm the person who's like everyone's paying attention to the mall they're watching the game i was totally distracted <laughs> I, I i like a shiny thing i'm like a cat I, you know you I dangle really. something in my face i'm like oh <laughs> really the laser i, I follow awesome that. Oh, okay all right thank you so thank much you. we'll see Thank you. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.